there! You're listening to Make New Friends, a weekly podcast about the trials and tribulations found in the realm of friendship. We're your hosts, Mary Aikman and Sienna Mooney. Let's make new friends! Woo! Yes! <laughs> yes, we're here! <laughs> Welcome to this inaugural episode. Just kidding. It's not the inaugural episode, but uh, this is like the episode that could you know like we're getting there okay uh the episode that should not yes geez um but today we're gonna be talking about some historic and famous friendships uh we've already talked about this but uh you know things fall apart (laughs) and that's history right like things fall apart yeah so mary why do you think um it's important for us to talk about like some historic and famous friendships well one, I think it's just fun sometimes. Yeah. Like when we're growing up at school, we learn about these people or we grow up and we learn about celebrities and to just like imagine like two of these like old stuffy like guys that wrote the Constitution were like best <laughs> friends. <laughs> it just makes them more real. Yeah. I suppose. It also, I feel like it can humanize a lot of stuff in history because like obviously – um if you're looking at a textbook and you just see these names, it doesn't seem like anything but, you know, a fact. It doesn't seem like they were people too. So I think that could also be part of, like, why we're so interested in historic and famous friendships, you know? Yeah, and when we're learning about people, we don't learn about, like, what food they liked or what they did on their days off. Yeah, it's just like the <laughs> just, bullet points, like the highlight reel, you know? Like, they did this thing in this year and it caused this thing to happen in this year. Whereas, like, I don't know, it's cool to hear about how these people, like, wrote letters to one another and, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, we have in our notes here, like... Ashley Tisdale and Vanessa Hudgens' relationship as an example of people who are often seen as, like, really good friends, but maybe they're not really as good of friends as we think, you know? Right, right. And, like, I... So, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was gonna say that uh, Vanessa Hudgens and Ashley Tisdale, I feel like they are really good friends, but I can definitely see how... Maybe you'd look at them and be like, oh, but they're not really good friends, you know? Like, yeah, they were on High School Musical together, so they're probably not that close. It's probably just like a publicity thing, you know, to Mm -hmm. drive up the excitement. And to that, I want to point out the fact that, um, what's his name? Uh, the, uh, Ryan, Ashley Tisdale's brother. Oh, yeah, her brother in, in High School Musical. Yeah, so, um, I found out recently... I wish I knew his name. When um, Ashley Tisdale and her co-star, Ryan... You could just call them Sharpay and Ryan. (laughs) Well, when Sharpay and Ryan first met, like, on set, they really didn't like each other for a very long time. And I would go so far as to say, like, they didn't even... They weren't even that close, like, in the first movie. But once High School Musical went on tour, that's when they actually got to know each other better. And... You know, perhaps they squashed that beef and became stronger friends from it. (laughs) But um, I didn't know that at all. I always thought that they, like, clicked instantly. Their chemistry on screen was, like, so believable. Whereas, obviously, like, Gabriella and Sharpay, they were, like, complete opposites. And they didn't get along in the movies. 
but Ashley Tisdale and Vanessa Hudgens were such good friends. So I just feel like it's interesting how the media can definitely like shape these ideas we have of these friendships when we don't really know like what the deal is. We're not a part of that group. So until these people come forward and say, actually, this is what happened, you know, we're kind of like, oh, speculation. So yeah, that's just what I wanted to say. The media, they want to sell things like that's their whole like magazines and it's mostly magazines honestly like when you're standing in line at the grocery store and you're like oh that's happening Mm -hmm. like oh they're getting married whatever they use that stuff to sell yeah and we are as people of the world we're just like oh okay i didn't realize that they were best friends or i didn't realize that they hated each other well we really have no idea but we're so enthralled with it because it's like they're the celebrities, they're on the magazines, like, this is important for us to know, (laughs) when really, it's not important for us to know. But also, it's just, why, why do we assume? Why do we have to, like, push two people together when we don't really know if they are or not, you know? Yeah, that's a, a good question to bring up. Like, why do we force people into these, like, fake relationships Or, you know, like shipping and stuff like that. Your two favorite characters have to be together. Oh, yeah. True, true. I don't know. Maybe it's just kind of like you... It's an addition of fun on top of... (laughs) Yeah. Like, if if you're taking shipping as an example, then, like, you love the show or you love the book or whatever. And to just make it more fun, like, you already love it, you add, like, an additional layer of drama on top of it. Yeah, yeah. And... It's a way to connect with, like, actually real people out in the world and say, oh, my God, I also love that book. I wish that so-and-so would get together. And then it's, like, a way to connect. And it's a way for you to make friends as well. So I can see it that way. It's kind of, like, a good thing, you know? Mm -hmm. But I know that when it comes to, like, real people, it can be damaging. And a lot of people – I know from, like, YouTube when people like to, like, put two people together, it's, like – don't do this, please. Like, we have our own lives or, like, we have our own significant others and you're just, like, getting in the way of us having, like, healthy relationships. Mm. And usually they're, like, we understand, like, that this is fun and we don't want to, like, put down your fun, but also, like, you need to look at it from our perspective. Right. And I think us normal people out in the world don't often, like, pause and say, how is this actually affecting these people in their real day-to-day lives. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. Well, when it comes to friendship, I was going to say, friendship isn't as damaging as, like, you know, like, putting two people together that romantically that might not be. Yeah. But it's still just fun. Yeah, I do think, though, going off of your point, that the whole thing about shipping people together, friendship, relationship, whatever, um, it can put a lot of expectations on the people in their real-life situations and um you know that's never good uh especially like when you feel like you have to conform to that and I feel like a lot of celebrities probably feel that way so yeah I mean that's I think the one thing I would say if you're like oh yes shipping is great there's no bad to it like think before you do say this kind of stuff because 
there are consequences for everything. So, you know. Right. And they're real people, too. So. And that also leads to the point when it comes to Hollywood in particular that any time, like, two people are good friends, like, we just put them together automatically. I know. Yeah. Like, oh, they must be in a relationship. Like, Mm -hmm. no. Like, you need to let, like, a female and a male be friends without there being, like, an addition to it. And like I said earlier, like you've said, it's all about the drama and selling the story and mm-hmm. everything. And so, yeah, so the media is going to, like, publish that even if it's not even anywhere close to true. Yeah. Which I think just going on a rant about the media, the media needs to be just better about being, like, ethical and, like, stick to the facts and stick to things you know and stop being, like – trying to like pull a story out of like the littlest vein of things yeah i agree and i think it gets really out of hand as well and it certainly doesn't help from like our perspective where we don't know what the truth is in these like relationships and you know are they friends are they not is this have we been lied to for all these years yeah it gets really confusing uh especially if you are like oh my gosh so-and-so and so-and-so are best friends and I want to have a friendship just like that. They are perfect. And then you find out, like, they were never friends. They've been, like, sworn enemies from day one. Yeah. <laughs> but they've been made out as, like, really good friends. That's, like, pretty shocking stuff. Not good. No. Um, I do wish that, like, in Hollywood there was more representation of, like, male and female friendships because Mm -hmm. in my, like, history and stuff, like, I've had a lot of guy friends and a lot of girlfriends, and it's never like, oh, I can't be friends with a boy because it's a boy or whatever, you know? Right, right. It just, like, sucks because it's always like, oh, if you're friends with a boy, like, it's going to be more than that. Like, you can't just be friends. Even if you start out as friends, it's you'll gonna, eventually get together. Like Someone's going to catch feelings and it's going to get ruined. <laughs> like that happens like 2% of the time probably. <laughs> right. Like it happens sometimes, but like that's not the rule, you know. I feel like that's yeah maybe the exception to the rule. Like people are people and whatever, you know, you shouldn't go into it. Or maybe... <laughs> It's that, like, in all of our subconscious minds, we love this, like, trope about, like, two friends that are just really good friends, a male and a female, and then they fall in love. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe, like, in all of our minds, we're just like, I want this to happen to me. (laughs) That's a really good point. Or, like, why isn't this happening to me? But I will say, like, I'm married to my best friend, but when we, like, first met or whatever I like knew that he was going to be someone special in my life someone important and I feel like you can have that with a friend as well like we're just like good friends and like I know they're going to be important to me so it's not necessarily like a bad thing if you end up deciding that your feelings are more than just like platonic you know but Mm -hmm. it's just stupid that like you know in middle school and stuff you just if you were hanging out with a boy or something or someone from the opposite sex, then everyone would be like, ooh, so-and-so likes you. Yeah. And it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> Please stop. And it's like, 
oh my god like i just figured out what hormones are don't tell me that <laughs> yeah anyway uh i see in our notes that you wanted to talk about um the movie queen victoria and abdul so this goes along the lines of talking about how in history we don't often see male and female friendships whether that's because it just hasn't become an important thing to historians like i think the history of friendship is a worthy academic line to follow um but it's just definitely not something that's popular so i listen to like a lot of podcasts and things and often i'll hear conversations about these two females being really close like oprah and gail right yeah 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 <laughs> the focus like to historians isn't about the friendship it's about the end result of the friendship so it's like they were really close and helped one of them do this thing you know uh. and the ha- same happens with like two men but it's not often that you see like a friendship between a male and a female and that be a focus to historians whether it's like a sideline side narrative i suppose or you know their friendship helps them get to like a plus b equals c sort of thing right but i think there's definitely a huge vein of study for historians and just like history buffs in general to like seek out those historical figures that were really good friends with like the opposite sex Mm. um because it's just something like we've been saying with the media it's just something you don't see and i think it's just like harming how people make friends in general because it's not it's like not systematically a part of how they think yeah i think that you're right about the fact that history places an importance on the end result and how that shapes friendship i think it's It sucks. And, you know, I wish we learned more about people who are really good friends and, like, how they helped each other, not just, like, one person being a stepping stone towards this thing that altered the course of history, you know? Right, right. And I think that's honestly one of the biggest parts about a friendship is, like, you help each other. It's not one-sided. It's a two-way street, you know? So... (laughs) Yeah, um, back to the movie. So I don't know when it's coming out. It's been a while since I've seen the trailer, but I believe it's called Victoria and Abdul. And it's about this Indian, I guess he's like a clerk level. He's like a high official Indian in India. And he travels to England and like presents a mango to Queen Victoria. And this is the period of Queen Victoria's life after Albert dies. And so if you don't know a lot about Queen Victoria, (laughs) she was enamored with Albert and she just loved him. Or according to all the documents we have, she just loved him, loved him, loved him. And she was just distraught after he died. And so she, like, wore black for the rest of her life in mourning for Albert after Mm. he died. And so for most of her years, because they got married quite early after she became queen, she'd had him with her. So after he's gone, she's basically lacking close friendship because he was – her closest confidant even if like a lot of scholars say that like his love for her wasn't as strong as her love for him they still were like each other's 
best friends and closest confidant. So she's lacking that. And this Indian visits Buckingham Palace and they become quite close. And it's the story. It's it's actually a, a movie about their friendship, really. Mm. Um, and a little bit about Queen Victoria as a queen and as a monarch in her later years. But it's a really good example of how I think in history, a lot of female and male friendships have been repressed because especially in the Victorian era, like very prim, proper, that kind of relationship was not allowed. Especially the fact that he was a Indian. Right. Even heightened the fact that this relationship wasn't allowed and she was the queen. Like these aren't like two normal people walking down the street. Even that would have not been allowed. But the fact that she was like the monarch of the British colonies, which at that point of time was half of the world and hmm. like some random Indian guy, like not okay. And I had never heard about this relationship. I haven't heard about similar relationships between monarchs and, and commoners or people of that aren't white with a white monarch like Mm -hmm. it's a very i think a very interesting story and i and i can't wait to see the movie because i i only know as much as the um as much as i know about queen victoria but then also that the trailer showed me yeah everyone should go watch it if that's something you're interested in i'm I'm definitely gonna watch it it definitely sounds like a new take on I don't know, like a period piece. I'm not really big into period pieces, so. Yeah. But I, I do love a good movie about friendship. And so, who knows? Maybe I'll check it out. Yeah. I mean, I, it might end up not being about friendship really at all. Mm. It might be more about the politics. Oh, true. But but I, it sounds compelling, at least, because, like, yeah. you've got the world against them sort of vibe Mm -hmm. and how do they deal with it so it sounds really interesting and for all the historians out there who are listening you know the millions and millions who listen to our (laughs) podcast i don't know how true this story is um so i'm just using it as a good example of like a historic figure and friendship and a non what's the right word a non-traditional yeah non-traditional uh friendship as well Mm. so just a disclaimer there (laughs) Uh, okay well i think uh i think we should take a little break what about you yeah sounds good (laughs) okay good all right we're gonna take a break and when we get back (laughs) we're gonna talk about some historic and famous friendships we're gonna take a nap (laughs) all right see you in a bit see ya Hey guys, it's Sienna. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode 15 of Make New Friends. This is um, this has been a long time coming, this episode. We have gone through some difficulties here, but uh, we've worked really hard on getting this episode out for you guys, so I hope you're enjoying it. I know that this is the last episode of the podcast before Halloween, so if you're celebrating, I hope you have a very spooky Halloween. Um, anyway, on to the break. Um... As you guys know by now, we don't pay to advertise the podcast in any way. So if you like what we're doing here at Make New Friends, make sure you spread that good, good word. You know what I'm talking about. Tell your ghouls, your goblins, your witches, and your warlocks. Tell them all how much you love Make New Friends. And who knows? Maybe you'll make a new friend too. Or maybe you'll make a foe. Dun, dun, dun. 
I know, pretty spooky, right? Um, Another way that you can show your support for the podcast is by leaving us a review on iTunes. I know, it's so easy, right? You just go on and you leave a review about how much you love, make new friends, and it lets other people know that they might like make new friends too. And it really helps us out. It helps new people find the podcast. It's pretty much a win-win. So make sure you go do that. We love it when you guys leave us reviews. So kind, so great. We love you guys. (sighs) Okay, I think that's about it. Um, Like I said, I hope you guys have a very happy and spooky Halloween. And the next episode of Make New Friends will be out on November 1st. All right, back to the episode. Welcome back. So as you recall, we're talking historic and famous friendships. And so now I'm going to turn it over to Mary, our little resident nerd, to talk about (laughs) some uh, maybe like one of her favorite historic friendships, I guess. Um, Yeah, Mary, why don't you tell us a little bit? So today I'm going to be talking about the friendship between Thomas Jefferson and John Adams. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Actually, it is a friendship that, you know, it wasn't always smooth sailing. Okay. So that's why it's interesting. Um, I, like, really like early American revolutionary history. It's definitely, like, if I had decided to become a American history-focused person, I would have, like, focused on that time period. I just like the colonial period. But anyway, John Adams was the second U.S. president and Thomas Jefferson was the third U.S. president. They originally met at the 1775 – Continental Congress, um, and where they were working on the Declaration of Independence together. Uh, as every a lot of people, not everyone, a lot of people know Thomas Jefferson is the person who everyone knows wrote the uh, Declaration of Independence, but it was like a, a round table sort of thing. It wasn't just him who uh, who penned it. But that's where they originally met, and then they got to be better friends when they each went to France on a diplomatic mission. So this was before the U.S. like won the war. It was like in the early stages, and France was a really big part in the U.S., ending up winning the Revolutionary War, or what is it called in the UK? It's the War of... I literally don't know. (laughs) I think it's like the War of the American Colonies or something like that. But they each went to France, and uh, Jefferson ended up staying in France uh, a bit longer than Adams did, but Adams then went to uh, London, and so they were both at least in Europe around the same time. And through those travels and being near each other, they became quite good friends, as you can imagine. Like, they both have the same ideals. They believe in their country and independence for their country, and they're both, like, statesmen, leaders, that sort of thing. Okay. So Jefferson, like, I have a couple quotes here. Jefferson um, admitted to James Madison, who was another founding father, um, and said this about Adams. He is so amiable that I pronounce you will love him if you ever become acquainted with him. Hmm. I know. That's just... That's sweet. And the fact that that was, like, Jefferson writing to James Madison, like, John didn't have any... Like, John didn't know this was being written about him. And so, like, that kind of shows that their friendship (laughs) was, like... It was like, oh, that's sweet. Like, yeah. they're really friends. And then Mrs. Adams, Abigail Adams, uh, once called Jefferson one of the choice ones on the earth and 
Mr. Adams wrote Jefferson that intimate correspondence with you is one of my most agreeable events in my life. Aww. So like tons of correspondence between different players, but all showing that they like really liked each other, especially in these early years. So dun 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 indeed. Uh, their friendship did not stay nice. It broke up right before Jefferson became the president in 1801. So if you're aware of Hamilton, or if you're just aware of American (laughs) history, at those early stages after Washington left the presidency, there was sort of the first two-party system in the United States. One was the Federalists. uh, John Adams was a Federalist. And then the Democratic-Republicans, which was what Jefferson was. So... Later on in their life, uh, after the war was won and after Washington was president, their ideological viewpoints started to get in the way of their friendship, which Mm -hmm. I know that we've talked about a little, like, sometimes when you're not in the same political, like, circle or, like, understanding, it's very hard to because you feel like you're, like, basic what you believe in is being, like, affronted by those people. Right. So, apparently... A last-minute political appointment by John Adams made life, like, super hard for Jefferson once he became president. So Jefferson saw this as, like, you know, this is the final straw. Like, I can't believe you would do this to me. And they weren't friends anymore. Then, almost 10 years later, or exactly 10 years later, in 1811, um, one of Jefferson's neighbors – I don't know. In the research that I did, they didn't actually say who the neighbor was. But the one of the neighbors visited Adams in Massachusetts. And when the neighbor returned to Virginia, he said that Adams said, I have always loved Jefferson and I still love him. Aww. And from that, I know it's very sweet. <laughs> I'm like, I'm hoping all of this is true. But it's all like written correspondence that and I got all this research from Monticello's website. Okay. Which is... Uh, Thomas Jefferson's home and that's like the major source of research on Thomas Jefferson so I can you know I I think it's you know true (laughs) or (laughs) at least uh, factually correct and then Jefferson from that experience like immediately said that is enough for me I only need this knowledge to revive towards him all the affections of the most cordial moments of our lives so and as you can see like it was like a just a big misunderstanding the whole time it seems like yeah (laughs) which is like really sad um because they like obviously from the writing they really did love each other like as friends like they were like oh like this is like a true friendship yeah um so after that little event they actually started writing each other again like back and forth because they lived in their respective uh like Uh, Massachusetts to Virginia isn't, like, close to each other, really. Um, Mm -hmm. So they didn't have a lot of time in the later part of their lives that they actually spent together, but they spent all that time writing to each other. Um, So from 1811 to 1826, when they both died. So this is the story. (laughs) I'm I'm like, I love this story. I'm like, (laughs) I'm such a loser. (laughs) But... uh, in, his, in my 11th grade U.S. history class, I took a push. Um, my teacher decided they were going to show this, like, History Channel special on Thomas Jefferson. And in it, they revealed, and I had, didn't know this, or I might have known this, but, like, the way that they showed it, like, in the video, I was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> so what happened was that on July 4th, 1826, 
July 4th, uh-huh. which we all know is like Independence Day. Yeah. <laughs> Both Jefferson and Adams died within hours of each other. What? And this was the 15th anniversary of the signing of the Declaration of Independence, as we noted earlier, that they both worked on together. Mm-hmm. And then Adams died thinking, or the here, I'll read the whole sentence so it's not confusing. But unaware that his friend had died hours earlier, Adams' family later recalled that his last spoken words were, Thomas Jefferson survives. <laughs> I know. And so I'm watching this in my U.S. history class and I'm bawling. <laughs> oh, man. I'm like crying and I had to like hide it from my like other classmates. <laughs> when you said that, I literally got like goosebumps. So like. <laughs> I know. I know. It is so cool. And Aww. like his last words, John Adams' last words were Thomas Jefferson survives, even though he had died hours earlier. But the fact that it was both on July 4th. Yeah. Like, blown away. I can't take it. It's, yeah. it's one of my favorite history things to ever exist. The one thing that's really impressive is that after, like, a number of years, they were able to essentially squash that beef, you know? And yeah. I think that's just, that's so remarkable. And I think of all of the friendships that I've had that have ended on bad terms where maybe I'm like, oh, they hate me or this one thing ruined everything. I wish that like, you know, some of those friends would just be like, we're cool, you know, because that would be so nice. I, you know, yeah, that would would just be great. And I think that's really um, incredible that that they, you know, became friends again. And it seems like they became even better friends afterwards, too, for the last like, oh, yeah. Uh, what, like 15 years of their friendship? Mm-hmm. Aw. So that's my Thomas Jefferson and John Adams friendship. Oh, that's nice. Summary. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> like, even though it was very, like, uh, you know, history and all that, uh, I took away what I needed to. So, A. Well, everyone, remember at the end of the day, history is just storytelling. So. That's true. Okay, so I guess let's get into the next friendship. Yes, next friendship. Is not a historic one, uh, you could say, but maybe for some it is a historic friendship. So uh, you may be familiar with two funny women named Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. Uh, You may know of them from various instances on SNL and also the other works they've done together off of the small screen and on the silver screen. Is that what it's called? Yeah, it's silver screen. Um, Okay, so Amy and Tina actually met in 1993 at the Chicago Improv Olympic. Um, And I believe that Amy is... Is Amy younger than Tina? I'm pretty sure she is. Yes. I'm not sure, actually. I I think so, but they've always seemed, like, on the same level, so if they're... Yeah, I've I've read read both of their memoirs, so... I have yet to read Amy's, but um, I did read Tina's, and I thought it was fantastic, so... You know. Yeah. I definitely like Tina's more than I liked Amy's. Yeah. um, (laughs) Anyway. So at the Chicago Improv Olympics, that's where they met. And Amy has been quoted as saying, I remember Tina Fey wrote a play about Catherine the Great fucking a horse. And I thought, that lady is hot stuff. I want to know her. So, I mean, like, (laughs) that's pretty incredible, right? Like, yeah. (laughs) I wish someone would say something like that about me. Yeah. Just, like, remarking on some cool 
weird, stupid shit I've done and just being like, I want to know her. <laughs> so, Well, it's neat that, like, they met sort of in a situation where Amy was, like, looking up to Tina. Yeah. Like, Tina was already doing her thing and Amy was like, oh, I want to know her because she's cool. Yeah, it is interesting. Um, and it's uh, – it kind of just shows that, you know, friendship can happen at any time in a person's life. Mm-hmm. And you don't always have to be best friends with people who are maybe your age and your skill level. So anyway, Amy and Tina's friendship grew through lots of improv classes in Chicago where they would eventually write a one act together. Women of color, of the maybe 15 minutes of written material, and the rest is like improv, it includes a sketch about two policewomen named Powder Keg and Short Fuse, and there's only one performance, and a young Seth Meyers is in attendance. So, I mean, I feel like Seth Meyers is definitely a key part of like the funny SNL people rotation you know yeah yeah and like when I think of Amy and Tina I also think of like Jimmy Fallon and also Seth Meyers and I think it's great that you know Seth Meyers is in attendance yeah well actually like from reading both of their books Seth Meyers is like a super important person in both of their lives oh he would be like the miranda lizzie and gordo they're like the miranda lizzie <laughs> and gordo like he's gordo in this relationship yeah yeah yeah. so if we wanted to like talk about a trio we could have added seth myers in there that's but. cute yeah and like anytime i've seen either of them on seth myers um talk show i've just i love their camaraderie i love that they're mm-hmm. so supportive and they just like lift each other up and that's also something that you see a lot with Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. Obviously, like, they've hosted the Golden Globes together, right? It was the Golden Globes. Right, yeah, yeah. A couple times. Yeah, like, twice, I think. Yeah. And I thought that it was excellent. So, something's working there, right? Well, I just think it's important to note that like their friendship was really built on working on things together yeah like they found like creative inspiration in each other clearly like otherwise they wouldn't have kept working right with each other through like they've essentially been working together for what 30 years at this yeah like more than i would say like the bulk of their professional careers like they've been yeah yeah attached in one way or another and i think that that's a really impressive thing about a friendship i have so many you know friendships where you know we laugh at each other's jokes that don't really make much sense but they're you find them really really funny at the time and i feel like amy and tina translate that into improv Mm, and sketches and things like that and i think that is super cool and i love that they've become successful for that So the executive vice president of Second City, uh, her name's Kelly Leonard, she said about them that they were inseparable walking around and kept trying to get put in casts together. And I think that's, that's so cute. Just like, I do that all the time with my husband, just... We're attached to the hip, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, both the women were well-known in Second City in Chicago and the UCB, Upright Citizens Brigade, later in New York. And obviously those are, if you're familiar with comedy or anything, you probably know of them very well. But basically that's where all of, like, the really good uh, comedians come from. Yeah. <laughs> so They're the feeder, like, improv uh, schools, essentially, to, like, big New York comedy. Mm-hmm. Which kind of sucks for anyone who lives in LA because there really isn't like I guess like the Laugh 
factory? I guess. I don't know know either. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not really familiar uh, with, like, how the L.A. comics do their thing. Yeah. Anyway, um, so as you guys know, and I'm sure you know Mary because you've read both the biographies, both Amy and Tina have been on SNL. But Amy actually auditioned for SNL because Tina pushed her to do it for years and she said, do you want to come be on SNL? And she'll be like, no, no, I love UCB. And then she was like, well, maybe now. I can't believe it worked out. So Tina said she was so happy and weirdly, I remember thinking, my friend is here, my friend is here. Even though things had been going great for me at the show with Amy there, I felt less alone. Isn't that cute? Yeah. And that was a a little bit from the book, Tina Fey's book, where she recounts, I guess, meeting Amy. Yeah. But yeah, and and I can imagine that work, if you've read the books, you know that SNL is not an easy place to work at. Mm -hmm. It's just a lot of long hours and a lot of like not put down but rejection in a lot of sense because you like write a script and like then they don't use the script that week or Mm -hmm. what have you and so having a friend there that is like your friend before SNL like someone who knows your life outside of that situation I can imagine just made Tina Faye Tina (laughs) Faye Tina feel so much better and I can like imagine how Amy's experience would have been different if Tina hadn't been there. Right. Yeah. And I think also with SNL, because there are new cast members like every year, but you still have the usual people around for a certain length of time, it can feel probably pretty daunting to walk into that situation because you have seen these people for so long, maybe you've looked up to them for a very long time. And to be like the new kid on the block, you kind of have to prove yourself. And I imagine that it must have bolstered Tina's confidence and also probably Amy's as well to have each other there as as a support really. And to, you know, Mm -hmm. bounce ideas off of, and you can probably count on at least one person laughing at your jokes, you know, because you know each other. So that's great. I love it. So anyway, carrying on with Tina Fey and Amy Poehler's friendship. In 2008, they created the movie Baby Mama together. And if you recall, that is the story of Tina Fey wanting a child. And she pays Amy Poehler to have her baby for her. And the (laughs) twist uh, is that Amy Poehler is actually not pregnant. And she is just, like, using Tina Fey for her money. And so you can imagine how that goes. But um, shenanigans ensue. But Holland Taylor in Parade wrote, I worked with Tina Fey and Amy Poehler in Baby Mama. Oh my god, I've never had so much fun working with anybody as with those two. They're very different women. Tina is very cool and mental. Amy's just this gushing little oil pump of affection. And yet they're absolutely peas in a pod. They adore each other. They're like sisters. So isn't that just so cute? I think I just love that. And also that's kind of most frequently the dynamic they play together. Like, you know, Tina Fey is usually the cool-headed one and Amy Poehler is usually like the zany crazy one. Yeah. But in 2015, they actually made another film together called Sisters. And that one was really a role reversal. And I don't, I'm. it must have been intentional, right? Like, yeah, yeah. It must have because... Essentially, Tina Fey plays this um, 
kind of like a deadbeat mom, I guess, where she doesn't really have a job and um, her sister is the goody two-shoes and they come back together when they find out that their parents are planning on selling their childhood home and they decide to throw one last party there and so this is the opportunity for Amy Poehler's character to break out of her shell and you know cut loose because uh, she's always been the one looking after the older sister and I think that um it's really interesting to see their roles reverse obviously they're not actually sisters so there's you know, the the made-up stuff of, like, the parental duties being put on the more responsible child, blah, blah, blah. But um, it was pretty fun, and I think that they just have really good comedy chops and obviously pretty good friendship chops, too, if that's even a thing, which, I don't know, it could be. So yeah, that's uh, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. They are still friends to this day. N neither of them have passed away yet. Um, I'm sure they have a <laughs> few more the same day. a few more years before. But um, yeah, yeah. Do you know of any SNL skits that are your favorite with both of them in there? I can think of the one where they're like chewing gum, and I think they've got like really big '80s hair. I don't know which... Oh, Sweater Weather. Yes, that one! Uh, it's the Bronx Beat. Actually, I think that Tina's in an ep... Or like a segment of that, but she's not normally in that. Yeah. It was, uh... What's the other actress at the time who was, like, big on the show? Oh, Maya Rudolph. Yes, yeah. yeah. It's Maya Rudolph and Amy Poehler, but there is a, an episode where they have Tina as well on it. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because, like, Tina Fey isn't really – she's she's a writer, and in her book she does talk about that, how, like, they kind of just, like, shove her on <laughs> to do the different parts that need filling in. And yeah. I think that that is also um, – it's just really funny because it's kind of like she's put on the spot and, uh, you know, you get what you get. <laughs> you just got to go with it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we'll move on to our last um, – friendship and this is similar so like two comedians or like celebrity people mm -hmm. that you know of uh but like now a male friendship instead of a female friendship mm -hmm. um in that realm so this time it's justin timberlake and jimmy fallon yeah and i can think of a hundred snl skits that are my favorite i think my in my family we love to quote snl with each other it's just a thing that we do and pretty much every skit that justin timberlake or jimmy fallon have been in together is something that we quote my cousin and i our favorite one is the one where they play the bg brothers yes and uh talking it up all American Taco. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> and we love singing the song and making fun of each other. But that's the friendship we're going to talk about. So they met at the VMAs. Uh, Justin had just broke off from NSYNC. Oh, yeah. And Jimmy was hosting the VMAs. It was his first host experience. And Jimmy says, I was totally nervous. And he this in this interview, he was talking to Justin. So he said, I was totally nervous. And you were nervous. We both ended up having a good night. We're good luck to each other, like each other's rabbit's foot. Aw. So I think that's, uh, again, you can see that everything is just very sweet. We're like, oh, friends. <laughs> they, like, say such nice things about yeah. each other. <laughs> but just like with Tina and Amy, you can tell that there's just, like, a natural chemistry between 
these two people mm-hmm. and that they work so well together. And it's just as normal people, as we mentioned earlier, it's just like fun to see two people have so much fun and look like they're not trying, yeah. that they're just like doing what they naturally like that the world, the universe has naturally allowed them to do, mm-hmm. which is just be like funny people and in a friendship role. Like I said earlier, they did several SNL skits together. Most of those were while Jimmy was a cast member on on SNL and Justin was like the host of that week. Mm-hmm. And so like the Bee Gees one, the one about uh i'm like omeletteville was that one omeletteville yeah because he's done so many he's done so many versions of it so it's like omeletteville pizzaville i think there was like a burritoville one bring it on down omeletteville yeah and i think was jimmy in the dick in a box no that was was that just no he wasn't yeah that was um yeah that was andy and the other people from that group what's that group called lonely island lonely island yeah yeah so those are like the top ones that I can think of, and there's definitely been more. Um, but in a 2013 Time magazine um, named Jimmy Fallon as one of the most 100 influential people of the year. Mm. And as you know, or hopefully y'all know, that when you get named as one of those people, one of your like close friends or like people you work with will write the little blurb about you. And so Justin wrote Jimmy's blurb and uh, he describes his friend as genuine excitement and energy that gets under your skin. Justin also revealed in this that Fallon interrupted his wedding, (laughs) heckling the groom as he made a speech to his beloved bride, Jessica Beale. Quote, it turned into a moment that everyone there will remember forever. Anyone else would have bombed on that stage and then I would have kicked their ass. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So, yeah, like you can you can tell like because when I read that, I was like, oh, God, like if anyone heckled me at my wedding, I'd just be like, you're dead to me. Yeah. You have to have a a special relationship to get away with that. (laughs) Yeah. And I can imagine that that friendship kind of relates to Jessica as well in that she probably allowed it and was like, oh, that's just Jimmy being Jimmy. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. But then um, the most like recent event, and and this is like not that recent, but it was in the 2013s back at the VMAs, Jimmy presented Justin with his... um, Michael Jackson Video Vanguard Award, um, which is, like, the most, like, important award you can get from the VMAs, Mm -hmm. essentially. It's, like, about lifelong, like, video vanguarding, I guess. I don't know. But Jimmy presented it to Justin and... uh, and it was it was really I remember watching it. It was actually really quite nice. Um, so yeah, that's their friendship so far. Yeah, I love anytime <laughs> Justin appears on Jimmy Fallon's show. Their chemistry is just really good, and I think that's definitely something to take away from celebrity friendships. Uh, I think that's also a reason why people enjoy seeing celebrity friendships blossom and strengthen and grow and form and all of these different stages, because if the chemistry is there, there's like no question. It's like, it's addictive, you know, you want to be a part of it. And when it's in the public eye, you do feel like you're in on the jokes. And I think that is also, it just, it makes it even more like mm, near and dear to your heart, you know? And I think, um, like Justin Timberlake and Jimmy Fallon, I feel like such a 
an odd combination of people. Like, Justin Timberlake is totally, like, he's a smoking bad boy cutie, you know, like, in sync days. And then um, Jimmy Fallon is just, like, this nerdy white comedian on SNL, really goofy. And somehow they've just hit it off. And it's, like, you, you wouldn't ever think, like, seeing these two guys on the street that they would be bros like bff bros but you know they are (laughs) okay well i think that we've said enough of these historic and also famous celebrity friendships so uh let's uh let's go into the outro shall we yeah thank you for listening to make new friends Do you have a story about friendship you'd like to share? Email us at makenewfriendspodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter and Facebook at newfriendspod. Special thanks to our producer, Alex Papworth, and music by Max Wallace. For show notes, research, blog posts, and more, head on over to makenewfriendspodcast.com, and we'll see you next week. Bye!